0: What it does is marketing and sales are two different components, and people have argued with me when I've told people what I believe marketing is, and what I believe sales is. But I'm going to do it again, and maybe we can have a maybe we can have a discussion about it. Sales are immediate drivers of money. If you are like like you are sending someone to a landing page to buy that moment. Marketing is about lowering the cost of the sale later. And so when you are on all of these podcasts or doing these guest blog posts or doing in these Facebook groups, doing group takeovers or whatever the thing you're doing, doing joint ventures, what you're doing is not necessarily making a sale today. What you're doing is driving people into your mailing list or just getting the exposure so that the 10th time they see you, They now, the next time they see you with a sales driver in front of of them, they will buy.
1: Heroes are an inspiring group of people. Every one of them from the larger-than-life comic book heroes you see on the big silver screen to the everyday heroes that let us live the privileged lives we do. Every hero has a story to tell. The doctor saving lives at your local hospital. The war veteran down the street who risked his lives for our freedom. The police officers and firefighters who risk their safety to ensure ours. Every hero is special and every story worth telling. But there is one class of heroes that I think is often ignored. The entrepreneur, the creator, the producer, the ones who look at the problems in this world and think to themselves, you know what? I can fix that, I can help people, and I can make a difference. Then they go out and do exactly that by creating a new product or introducing a new service. Some go on to change the world, others make a world of difference to their customers. Welcome to The Hero Show. Join us as we pull back the masks of the world's finest heropreneurs and learn the secrets to their powers, their success, and their influence, so you can use those secrets to attract more sales, make more money, and experience more freedom in your business. I'm your host, Richard Matthews, and we are on in 3, 2, 1. This has been a really fascinating discussion, but we spent all of our time just on the first question. So I do want to move on a little bit. I got a couple of other questions I want to ask you just in re- relation to your story. Right. So my next question for you is sort of your superpower in business. Right. What you do or build or offer this world that really helps solve problems for people. And the way I've been framing this for my guests over the past couple of months has been like, if you look at all the skill sets that you've built, um, you know, over the course of your business career, what's the sort of the one skill that's the common thread that sort of empowers everything else that you do um, that sort of lets you you know show off your skills i guess
0: sure it's building a community uh, a part of that the main part of that is building hype for a product before it launches and like build but building the community that's strong and and and, and engaged and and ready to buy the products that we have is, uh, is definitely the superpower. It goes back to the Build a Rabbit Fanbase course and why I've had success with Kickstarter, uh, why, like, why I have a pretty good name in the creative community as far as like being creator first. And, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's definitely that building a community portion of it, um, which is weird because like uh, my so, community isn't so engaged. Like I don't get a ton of replies to my, um, to like emails that i that, that I put out. Um, but I do get that when I like put out a product or when I'm like when, when I'm about to launch a product and I'm putting out free stuff or when I'm when I'm when I'm doing blog posts, um, I just I feel it and then like it like it kind of coalesces for me right around like a product launch.
1: Absolutely. So my my question for you is a superpower like that is that do you think that it's something that you can develop right like you know Batman developed his uh ninja skills or is that something that is just built in like you know Clark Kent and his uh his superpowers that that just came with him
0: oh no, I definitely think it's uh it, 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 it's learnable because I was wholly unlikable for many many years of my life uh, I was very polarizing uh people would either love me or really hate me uh so uh, I had to learn how to sort of tamp down that and how to find those people. And I think that it's something that literally anybody can develop and you have a part of it in you. That's a, that's, it's even the, 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 the easier part is like, you have all of this the ability to like create resonance and, and, uh, and build a community that, that, that like really connects with you. It's all in there now. It just takes honing and carving out and, there's a there's a book called The Attractive Character or a concept called The Attractive Character, which really helped me know like what I have to what I have to be like in my uh in, when, when I present myself uh, so that the right people would resonate with me. And then they take a chance with me in the complete creative, or they take a chance on my books. You know, I write like I talk. Uh, I I write, I talk like I teach. Uh, and so my goal then is to be the most Not over the top, but kind of over the top example of myself when I do these because I want to. We call that having a distinct personality.
1: Right, we call it having your distinct personality. So like in in your comic book, your comic book realm, right? We, every superhero has their distinct personality, the way that they they act and present themselves to the world. And you accentuate the good parts, right? Accentuate or not, not not even necessarily the good parts, the parts that you want to accentuate. So like in the marketing world, um, just one of the examples that I know a lot of my audience will resonate with is a guy by the name of Dan Kennedy, right? So Dan Kennedy is sort of like the father and father of modern direct response marketing. And he's famous for his no bullshit. Right, that's his. Uh, all of his books were the no bullshit, you know, whatever, and that's what he taught. Stuff and he taught that way, and he comes across when he speaks and teaches as almost kind of gruff, right? Gruff, no bullshit. This is the way it is, you know. And that's that's his distinct personality. But if you meet him in person, like that's that you realize that he's he's pushing that, right? He's accentuating that part mm-hmm. of his personality because it's part of the brand, right? right? So it's it's figuring out what is your distinct personality and how do you you emphasize that when you communicate with your audience. Absolutely. Yeah. So the flip side then of your superpower is your fatal flaw, right? So just like Superman had his kryptonite or Batman was, you know, not actually a superhero. He was just rich and dedicated. What are um, What is something that you have struggled with in growing your business over the years um, that you've had to sort of fight against, right? And more importantly, how have you sort of overcome that for people in our audience who might struggle with the same thing you did?
0: i'm gonna do it uh uh well last year i was suicidal because i tied myself too much to my self-worth of how my company did um so i've struggled with depression and anxiety since i was a kid and it got really bad right around this time last year and uh and um god it was really bad Uh, i i i uh i was having some product launches that were going very very bad products i developed for years uh, that were like, I would, I spent fourteen fifteen thousand dollars 15000 on this product and I made two grand on it back in like the first six, like it was like, I was t- I had, it was a bloodbath. And so I um, I really had to learn uh, that my self-worth, that I, I had self-worth that was intrinsic to myself, even when I uh, even, even outside of the success or failure to, uh, of, 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 a product. Like I still deserve to exist and I still had value and people still like me, even if my product blew up, which is very hard for me. I put a lot of, of myself into my products and, uh, I you know I do a lot of market testing and to have products that like, didn't do well, uh, just, uh, really like gassed me on a personal level, um because of how much I put into it, like and I think is like of myself and of what I think my audience will like. And so I had to learn. Um, so it, it came down to something really simple, like I, I would call myself a success or a failure. And it's really hard because uh, you think that if you start at zero and you go up to 50 and then back to 49, like you will have succeeded and that the aggregate in your brain would think that like you were a success now. Um, but that's not how it works. Your brain if you go to 50, that becomes the new baseline. And if you go even to 49, like suddenly you're a failure. And so your yeah. brain uh, uh, shorts out. <laughs> it's very hard to short your brain out uh, in, in that respect. And it's really fun to tie your self-worth to, uh, to your product as you're on the way up, but for every up there is a down. And so um, I, I really had to learn how to separate and how I did that was I started thinking of myself like I am not a failure or a success. I am a person who succeeds or a person who fails. I am also a person who writes and a person who eats and a person who walks and a person who does all of these things. And if suddenly I could no longer walk, uh, I would still have value as a person. So if I stopped being a success, I would still have value as a person and it would exist outside of this realm. And it really that helped. I can say that the last couple launches that we've had have been successful. Uh, they, they, uh, uh, we ended up breaking even on that book series after relaunching it on Kickstarter uh, and actually paying not just for that, but for a whole nother uh, a series of books. So, uh, uh, But that was easily the hardest thing I've ever had to deal with. And it's something that has really helped me in this time of, that we're going through now because I know that like uh, if this was a year ago uh, I probably would have killed myself already but because of what I've done in the past year I've been able to uh, to maybe not enjoy it uh, uh, I don't think anyone's enjoying it but to at least be able to weather it with a more positive mental outlook sorry well I got dark I for there. one
1: am, I am I, I for one am very glad that you uh, chose to continue your story. Um, and have you here? Um, but on that, it, it reminds me of something I, I just I just read a book by Jordan Peterson called The Twelve Rules for Life. And the first chapter of that book, he tells a story about lobsters. Um, and lobsters have um, they have the same sort of serotonin dopamine receptors that we do, but their brain chemistry is obviously significantly less advanced, right? Their brains are like the size of a pin needle. Um, but the uh, the dopamine and the, the serotonin receptors work very similarly, and he was talking about how um, w- with regard to the whole success and failure thing, right? Where, where, where you know if you get to 50, 50 and you feel good, but you go into forty nine, you feel like you failed. Um, and it's really um, there's actually some physiological reasons for that. And they actually he, he showed with the the way that the lobsters work that they they get into battles, right? And they battle with each other, and if if you lose a battle. Um, they, they immediately drop to the very bottom of the, of, of the food chain, right? So it's like you could be the king lobster and you're like, you win this battle, you win the next 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 battle, um, but the moment that they lose a battle, they never win a battle again in the rest of their lives, right? Um, and they just go and they become a shell of their former selves um, because of the, uh, the, 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 the way the chemicals work in their brains and whatnot, they just, they just shut down right? And we work and operate very similarly on a, you know, instinctual level. Um, So it's like, you know, you're, you're, you're winning, and you're winning, you're winning. And the first time you have a loss, it's like, it feels like everything is ended, right? Like you haven't gotten anywhere. Um, So there's actual, there's like some actual, like, science behind that feeling. Um, We have more advanced, you know, brain chemistry and whatnot, that allows us to overcome that. But Mm -hmm. um, it's really, it's really fascinating to just sort of know how that works. Um, And anyways, on that whole thing. I'm really glad that you uh, chose to you know, to choose life and to choose to continue sharing your stories because um, you know, people get a lot of value probably out of what you, uh, what you do and what you put out into the world and the stories that you share.
0: Well, um, that story I'm, is like one of the most powerful stories that I have has turned into one of the most powerful stories that I have because after that book, um, not only is a story of like just raw openness, but after that happened, um i made a decision uh three decisions first i was going to bring back ichabod jones monster hunter and that ended up being our most successful launch of last year it raised uh 10 times more than the other like eight launches that i had that year um so uh, it showed that there was success Um, i then did uh the the took the godsverse chronicles and i relaunched them on kickstarter and they made uh they they made 10 grand in like 10 days uh which is quadruple or something what they made all the entire 2019 and then I uh so they launched cool. our second Cthulhu was hard to spell book uh and that made $31,000 and that just finished uh, about a month and a half ago so between after those like that make, making two grand in six months I went and I made 26 to $50,000 in the next three launches, because I went back to our, 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 first principles. I went back to the products that like made us successful in the first place. And I really decided that, um, uh, that uh, I, I was going to, 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 to decide what I was going to have to figure out, like if, if, if the books were broken or if my audience suddenly hated everything that I did, or if it was a platform and like what the real process was. And it turns out that, um, you know, we, turned it around pretty good. Like from the, 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 that first launch started in September. And so roughly about three months ago, three, three months from, from, from now last year, I went from my lowest point to uh, one of my highest points of my career, being able to bring back one of my most beloved properties.
1: Awesome. that's that's really cool story. So my, my next question for you has to do with your common enemy. And I would like to frame this in the creative Academy, right. The, um, that you, you have um, the complete creative. Is that right? Yes, um, and and this the common enemy is the thing that you are constantly sort of fighting against with your clients, right? The, you know the thing that you're banging your head against the wall. If you had your magic wand and every client who came through your academy, you could just tap them on the head and fix that like sort of mindset or problem that you're running into. Um, what what is that thing that you that that you you know your clients could get better, cheaper, faster, higher degree of results if they could just change this one thing or change this one understanding? What would that sort of be for creatives who are trying to become successful?
0: Well, I mean, I always try and tell them to go through my build Your, build a rabid fan base course, but the thing that they they don't understand is that they have to keep finding new people forever because people will churn, you know, even in the best business, even in the best run business in the world, there's a 10% churn. I mean, I know it's a little bit less than that, but you can expect a 10% churn in any business that you start, even if you're doing everything perfectly. And so mm-hmm. um, even if, if, if you have a thousand fans now, you're only gonna have 900 and then you're gonna have 810 and then you're gonna have, like it's gonna go down every year. So you have to fill up at least 12 to 15% of new rabid fans consistently. Um, so that means filling up, uh, finding a bunch of people, finding hundreds of thousands, maybe, of people that you talk to who are, who are nobody, and making them and turning them into like a hundred or two hundred new fans because they will churn. Uh, especially your 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 casual fans. The rabid fans, the ones that really love your work, they probably aren't going to churn nearly as much as as uh, as as like ten percent. But overall, you're going to get a ten percent churn in your company, and so. Uh, people like to believe that they can do one marketing activity, one time, and then they will be, and then that's it. In fact, I've got a lot of people who are going to write on the coattails of their success lists. forever. Yeah, and we talked about a lot of people who uh, I built mailing lists and social media accounts for people. And you would be amazed at the percentage of people who get that list from me at the end once we've done all of the work to build it. And they literally never use it, and I know they never use it because I join every mailing list just to see if they ever use it. And at least fifty percent, and probably more like seventy percent of people literally never send an email through it. Um, yeah, and yeah. and uh, then I never see them again. And then when I talk to them, they say it didn't work. I'm like, you didn't work because you literally never sent an email. I know you didn't send an email. And the ones who do, like any I'm on your list. I never I, got one. one yeah, uh, uh, the. The, uh, the, the the advantage of doing any marketing activity, no matter what that marketing activity is over time to find new people, it could be doing new podcast appearances, it could be uh, doing guest blog posts, uh, it could be whatever the thing is, is going to have such a, a magnitude impact over time. And that's the second part of this, because like, these things compound on top of each other, they don't work like one podcast appearance does nothing. But one a podcast appearance uh, or two a week over the course of a year uh, does a huge amount of of, of 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 good for your business. And what it does is not drive yeah, I sales. I can see that
1: in my own business
0: too. Yeah, absolutely. Like it doesn't it doesn't drive sales uh, in the way that you think. What it does is marketing and sales are two different components and. People have argued with me when I've told people what I believe marketing is and what I believe sales is, but I'm going to do it again. And maybe we can have a, maybe we can have a discussion about it. Sales are immediate drivers of money. If you're like, like you are sending someone to a landing page to buy that moment, marketing is about lowering the cost of the sale later. And so when you are on all of these podcasts or doing these guest blog posts or doing in these Facebook groups, doing group takeovers or whatever the thing you're doing, doing joint ventures, what you're doing is not necessarily making a sale today. What you're doing is driving people into your mailing list or just getting the exposure so that the 10th time they see you, they now, the next time they see you with a sales driver in front of of them, they will buy instead of uh, uh, Russell Brunson talked about this a couple of years ago, where he made some, uh, some video with Dan Harmon, uh, the Harmon brothers, not Dan Harmon, the Harmon brothers, the guys who did the squatty potty or the, the, the the unicorn. And they, uh, Mm -hmm. he drove his, his, his cost of of trial from $150 to $50 on that one singular video. So he cut the cost of his acquisition uh, by a hundred dollars a person. And uh, that is what, for me, that is what consistent marketing is about. It's about driving the cost down the cost of an acquisition over time and wearing people down so that you, you eventually after a year or two years or two months or two days, they go, all right, I trust that Russell is the authority in this space and I am ready to go buy from him now, or at least consider buying from him. And it was the same process I used that shows. I would do shows for years and I would never get a sale from a person. But eventually after six months or a year or 10 shows or whatever it was, I had wearing down that person enough that they've seen me enough that suddenly selling them was easy and then selling them the next time was very easy. So it took time to wear it down and you have to be in front of people for a long time, <laughs> a bunch of times in a bunch of different ways. Uh, you can't just do it once. I see all of these ads that are sent to me because I track these and like, you you probably wouldn't be, but like people, I I am amazed at how often people send me emails or, or or, or send me uh, Facebook ads just long enough for me to consider them. And then they suddenly go away. So two weeks, three weeks, a month, two months, whatever it is. And then I never hear from them again. Whereas there are people like Frank Kern who like, I will never buy a Frank Kern product just, because like, uh, I like uh, I just won't do it. I, not because of, I don't like him or anything. I just like, I've never found a product that resonated with me, but I dang sure know who Frank Kern is. And I will never forget who Russell Brunson is because, because like, they're constantly in front of me forever. And I know exactly the product that they sell. Mm-hmm. And if ever I wanted to spend $200 a month on like, on doing funnels, if that ever became a part of my business, they would be the first person that I went to. Uh, and so, That is the thing that I wish more people knew, that marketing is about consistently reaching out to people over months, years, decades, because McDonald's didn't get to be McDonald's overnight. And they don't stay McDonald's because they're not out there marketing. They have been, even when they became successful, they just made marketing a part of their life and a part of their business because they knew they had to keep being out there so that they wouldn't be forgotten. And so many of my clients, end up being forgotten or never found because they don't even do the work of doing it consistently.
1: Yeah, yeah. So a couple of thoughts on that. One, I completely agree with you. Um, we have a lot of campaigns that we actually tell our clients to run. Um, I got one of them I call this centrifuge funnel, which is entirely based on getting just showing up on someone's feed on a regular basis. Um, and in all of the various places that you could be in their feeds, whatever, whatever that feed is, whether it's billboards on the street, or, you know, the Facebook news feed, whatever, you want to be there constantly. And I tell people all the time, that, you, the biggest thing that you're fighting in the, the sales of people who would buy from you at some point, right? Of, of your potential customers, right? Cause there, there are people who are never going to buy from you for no matter what, they're not your customers. But in the group of people who are potentially your customers, the biggest thing that you're fighting against is the getting them at the right time. Right. And sure. it's like, they, they might know you, they might like you, they might trust you. Um, but getting them to sit down and actually pull out their credit card and spend money with you right, is, is, is like getting all the stars to line up, right? There has to not be an entertaining cat video and not some political scandal that they're watching and, you know, not a big COVID crisis that's shutting down the world. And, you know, the kid has to not be screaming and like all these things have to sort of line up to, into the right time for them to wanna buy from you. So the way that that's gonna happen is by you constantly being there. So when the right time happens, you're there, right? Because if you, um, you know, we, we tell people all the time, like in the direct response world of marketing, right? We'll use something like like Google Ads to run someone to a landing page, and you know we'll we'll talk the um, the average really good landing page from a Google ad will convert eight to ten percent of people, right? So that means you send a hundred people to that page that they went to the went to Google and said my tooth hurts, find me a dentist, and you're one of the dentists that shows up there, and you they click under your landing page. Only eight people out of those hundred will actually call your your office. The other 91 people, right, they are still, like, their tooth still hurts, (laughs) right? Like, that's still a problem in their life, right? But maybe it doesn't hurt enough right now. Or maybe when they got to the landing page, you know, something happened. Or maybe they got there and they don't have enough money right now. Or maybe, you know, there's all these things that could happen. So the question is, what do you do with those other 91 people, right, who you know are potentially your audience? And that's where you have to come in and start being creative with your marketing and doing things like retargeting and doing things like showing up at the events and showing up online and doing podcast appearances. So everywhere that they go, they're seeing you, right? And going like, Oh yeah, my tooth hurts. And that guy knows how to fix my toothache. Right. Um, you want to be top of mind. So when they get to the point where they're like, okay, I really have to take care of this tooth. I can't handle it anymore. They're going to be like, Oh, you know what? I need to call that guy because he fixes teeth. Um, and, and that's how, that's how marketing is done.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's so simple. And I'll give you an example of a friend of mine. So a friend of mine runs a company called Buno Bunio Books. Actually I don't know if it's Buno or Bunio. Pretty sure it's Bunio, because it's an NEA. Um, and he's been releasing this book called Warm Blood for a couple of months. He's been talking about it and talking about it and talking about it and talking about it. How much he like and I've just been keep seeing this image in my feed like every few days. And I'm like, man, that looks really good. It looks really good really good, and yesterday he's like, hey it just released yesterday, and I was like, all right and he's like and it's, it's only ten bucks I was like, oh, all right man like and I went and I bought it like that time at that moment because like the messaging was right and like it was out it wasn't in pre order and like it uh and like I'm gonna deliver it it's gonna be delivered in a couple of days and I'm like really excited to like get this book because I've seen it a bunch of times and I've gotten I've grown um I've grown my affinity towards it over time. And, but that only happened because he didn't stop targeting me and getting stuff to my feed. And so often, there's another one. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go with another one because uh, I just thought of it. It's like people think that marketing is disgusting. Like even the people that do it, that, that, but aren't like committed to it. Like they're like, oh, I don't wanna be like spam to them. Like I don't wanna be like, this. I don't want to be like, like, like the thing. And I'm like, look, like, here's the thing. Like, you might not like Target ads, or Target like stuff. But I guarantee you there are people out there like that wait all week to see what Target has on sale. Like that is their like, holy grail of thing like they want to they're they are are waiting for that Sunday. My mom loves Target. Yeah, my mom would w- like uh, uh would, would would get the paper just to get the ad for uh Safeway or it's Ralphs over here or Vons or whatever it is, like the food store. Like she would wait. To me that's garbage. But to her it was like the reason to get the paper because she would then see what the sales were on that for that week. Um, you know, uh, uh it could be clothes, it could be books, whatever the thing is. Uh it might be trash to you, but every single person I've ever met has some email that they're happy to get, that they're excited to get every week. Because it like is it might be a it may be like an inspirational thing, it might be like a Groupon ad thing, but whatever it is, they are excited to get it. And I wish people would start thinking about not that their stuff is spam, but how do they find the people. Who are going to treat their ad, their their email like a uh, like like the treasure that it, that it is?
1: Yeah, yeah. I and mean, that's just understanding who your people are, right? And realizing so because because it's it's a mistake I think a lot of entrepreneurs make is they they try to think that their business is for everyone, right? And if someone doesn't like it, that the your business isn't likable, right? Or your yeah. product isn't likable, and that's not true, right? You you doesn't matter what you do, somebody hates your business, right? There's people right. who would not eat at McDonald's if you paid them handsomely to do so, right? But there's a lot of people that love McDonald's, right? right? And well, that's- <laughs> I'll
0: give you another example of something that happened to me this week. Um, I I ran a big promotion for like a big Star Wars giveaway. A lot of the stuff that I did in the past was like giveaways, tar- targeted giveaways for like to brands and someone. I did I've added them to my main email list and some. I I I I I, I I'm about to release a new book uh, Kickstarter in a couple of weeks. And so I sent out like the, the fantasy sampler of like all the books and like the first couple of chapters of each book and like, they're quite good. Um, uh, uh, but someone emailed me back and said, I only collect star Wars stuff. And I went in and I unsubscribed them and I deleted their email. And I said, if you're in like, like, that's that's great. You're in the wrong place. So like I went in and I unsubscribed you because like, I don't want you to be getting these emails. If all you're looking for is star Wars stuff, this is nothing against you. Like, you get to do, I didn't say all of this, but like, there's nothing against that person. It's just, mm. if you want Star Wars memorabilia, like I am not the right person to give it to him. And so I yeah. uh, would rather have him gone, even if it could maybe in three years, like I could wear him down and he would try one of my books. There is almost no chance he would ever become a real fan of my work because like he wants Star Wars stuff and he he works hard like let him have his Star Wars stuff. Um, but I don't want him on my mailing list. Because the last thing that I want is to be spam to anyone because this work is hard. This work is, is so hard. When you have an audience that loves you, it's hard enough to be out there every week, like basically bleeding to find new people and like, and like, showing that like and showing yourself and like these ads, they're so bad. A lot of these ads for like micro targeting offers. And like, I just roll my eyes at all of them because they're all done. Like they look the same and they're all terrible. But at the same time, I have to be like, man, but you're trying to be out here. And like, it must be so hard to know you have a product that's good and just be trying to figure out how to make it work and how to make it resonate and how to make it resonate with the right people and all of that stuff. like must be, it's really hard to do that. And if I have to then go and say, oh, and people think my thing is spam, I would frickin just walk away now. Because like, uh, it's hard enough (laughs) to communicate with people that when I think that they love my work, if I had to now think that they didn't love my work, because the truth is they do. I, I talk to artists all the time, who are down on their work, artists who I like, and they're like, and I tell them when they're like, when they're insulting their work or saying it's not good. It's like, it's like, that is really insulting to me, man. They're, they always get taken back. And I'm like, they're like, what are you talking about? I'm insulting them. It's like, no, I think your work is good. And if you're saying your work is bad, then you are saying that my taste is bad. And I know my taste is friggin' stellar. So either you have two choices. You can either uh, stop insulting me or you can insult me, and I'm not going to buy from you again. So, like, are you? Are, is your is your intention to to insult your best fans? Um, so yeah, that that's that's that my rant. That is like brilliant.
1: <laughs> that's that's brilliant. If if you take nothing else from this uh, this thing, that's uh, this whole whole fascinating conversation. Take that, right? Because so many people I talk to, they don't like their own things. Um, And that's a great way to frame it in your head, realize that, hey, you have people who love your work, Um, don't insult them by saying your work isn't good or worthwhile. Uh, I'll be honest though, some people
0: really do need to work on their work and like, it's not good. And like those people, but those people tend to be like way too confident in their work and think it's amazing. Uh, So this is not, if you're like still working on your stuff and like, you're not sure that you're, but like once you have fans who actually buy your stuff and enjoy it, like, it is absolutely insulting yeah. for them to say it's not insulting to them to say i really want to get better i want to make this even better for you and like way more intent and, and, and like and like but buy better gear or like try a better artist or i have a different story or like i think this story you're gonna love also all of that stuff is like absolutely valid to like grow but you can't then be like mm-hmm. oh well like this stunk
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's part of the, the, that people talk about the imposter syndrome all the time. Right. So, you know, I I always tell people like, there's two parts to the imposter syndrome. You're either an imposter, in which case you have to improve, or you have imposter syndrome, which means your stuff is good and you just think it isn't.
0: (laughs) Well, there's a thing where like, look, there's a lot of artists who have a very niche style and they can then reach out and try a more mainstream style. I particularly like a couple of my friends' styles. Um, but like i look at them and i'm like this is never going to catch on like it's just never going to catch on like it's just it's like it's too it's it's beautiful but it is too niche and you will have to do too much it's not that it can't catch on it's you will have to do too much work to get it to catch on that i think you will give up before then or you or you are going to like run out of money to continue on this runway um so there is yeah, that yeah. there is some people it's who like are the bad. there's some people who need to like make a more mainstream thing um, but uh, for the most, the majority of people who are professionals just need to objectively understand that, like, they can't be bad if a bunch of people buy and enjoy their stuff. Uh, because uh, if they are, then they're insulting the people that buy those things.
1: Absolutely. Speaking of heroic tools, I want to take a few minutes to tell you about a tool we built that powers the Hero Show and is now this show's primary sponsor. Hey there, fellow podcaster. Having a weekly audio and video show on all the major online networks that builds your brand creates fame and drives sales for your business doesn't have to be hard. The struggle ends now, introducing Push Button Podcasts, a done for you service that will help you get your show out every single week without you lifting a finger after you've pushed that stop record button. We handle everything else, uploading, editing, transcribing, writing, research, graphics, publication, and promotion, all done by real humans who know, understand, and care about your brand almost as much as you do. Empowered by our own proprietary technology, our team will let you get back to doing what you love while we handle the rest. Check us out at pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero for 10% off the lifetime of your service with us and see the power of having an audio and video podcast growing and driving micro celebrity status and business in your niche without you having to lift more than a finger to push that stop record button. Again, that's pushbuttonpodcast.com forward slash hero. See you there. You're listening to The Hero Show, unlocking the power of influence and success. So this has been a really fascinating conversation. I do want to bring it home for our listeners a little bit. One more question for you. Top one or two principles or actions that you put in place every single day that you think contribute to your success and the influence that you have in your space. Maybe something you wish you had known when you started out
0: um, all those years ago. All right, I'm not going to do the one that I normally do because I got that in the middle of the show about the self-worth and the treatment. So I will say every, every day... I try to do one action at least that will move me forward in some way. I believe very deeply in the one thing uh and uh and having one big overall overarching principle that has many many little pieces underneath it that you can work towards. And my goal is to do um to do a podcast record or to write pages or to do a blog post or to find a strategic partnership or to uh, do something, not read or like research, but like something actionable that I can put forward in that day. I can't say whether five people or 5 million people will listen to this interview, but I can say that like I did this interview. And I don't know if one person or a billion people will read a blog post or a book that I read, but I can do those, 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 those pieces with intention. And it is the with intention that I think so many people don't follow up on. They just scattershot. I'm very intentional Why I can do this show. A, it's about comics and uh, B, uh, it's about business. And like, if there are two things that I am uh, known for, it is comics and business. So like, it's very intentional of what of me being on this show because I think there's going to be a lot of people, who, uh, including the host, hopefully, who resonates with the message that I have. Um, it's not just yeah. like I'm not going on, on on I'm not going on mommy blogs because like, the propensity for that for someone that like is listening to a show about about uh, about parenting to like want to do business is low or want to talk about comics is low unless there was one that was about like the the, that thing so i'm trying to intentionally move my business forward uh with little actions that can then compound over time you know um for podcasts it takes roughly eight to twelve weeks from record for you to actually be on the air generally like that's usually the backlog of like a podcast so you have to kind of and then it takes kind of a month to schedule that podcast. So like you could start doing something today and it won't pay off for four months, but you have to do it with the intention of that it's gonna pay off and then it's going to keep compounding because once those shows then start coming out in earnest and you can you then have a pipeline of like the next shows and the next shows and the next shows that are coming out. Yeah, yeah. And I worked in sales um, so I know that the thing that you do today is predictive of what happens eight weeks from now. I used to be a sales manager and I would, train this into my people as often as possible. The pro- the reason why you're having these big fluctuations is because when you're at a high, you take your foot off the gas. When you're at a low, you work triple or quadruple. And so you have these like feast or famine months. If you just did not take your foot off the gas, you could go 40 instead of 80. And you could be doing 40 for every month and you would get further than doing 40 and then 20 and then zero and then 80. And then, so, uh, you know, you would have, you would be able to do tortoise and the hare, right? Exactly. And you can then go, if you're doing 40, you can then go 45 or 50, or you can sort of inch up over time, but you know, it's very hard to go from zero to 80 and then from 80 to something higher. So I just know that if I can do some I have two businesses and if I can do something for both of them in a day, that's great, but if I can do something for one of them in a day, then um, then that's awesome too. And it could be before we got on this, this call, I told you that I did a bunch of ads for um, I set, a bunch of ads for one of my book series. Um, yesterday I was, uh, it was a writing day. So I did a blog post for the complete creative and I did, um, and I did uh, 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 5,000 words of writing. Today, I did a little bit of work for the wannabe press and I'm gonna be on records basically from now until six o'clock uh, of different types talking about uh, the complete creative. So my goal is to do one thing, at least one thing every day that can compound over time. Uh, the second thing that I try to do uh, every day is learn something. Uh, so the podcast is a great example. I was floundering on like what to do to get booked on podcasts or do anything until I went to podcast movement uh, in February. And they kind of put all of the pieces in place. They told me where to go told me the Facebook groups to join, told me the websites to try. And I tried one and then I found another one and now I was t- found two. And then I found like two Facebook groups and then I found four and I like kind of built out. And then, and now every morning I kind of have a process where like I check three or four podcast sites to see what's new, uh, the new on the platform. I check my messages. I, I then go to a couple of Facebook groups and I just do it like sort of, it's an ingrained part of my day once I have a habit. Um, but I try and learn a thing read a thing and then implement something new, uh, you know, once a week overall. And if I can just keep adding again on aggregate one thing a week, two things a week, little by little by little, suddenly like people, uh, people say like, how can you be so productive? I'm Like, I don't feel productive. I just feel like now, but now when I look back even a couple of months ago, I couldn't have had six podcasts booked in one day before. I couldn't have done any of that stuff because I wasn't in a position to understand the mechanics of it. But little by little over the last few months, I've been able to build up, uh, you know, knowledge about how all of this works. And I've been able to figure out how to pitch somebody better. I've been able to, because I've been on so many podcasts, that zero, that one to 10 to 100 to 1000 was literally all built from like doing a bunch of podcast interviews and figuring and like the process sort of Started making sense. Because when you're a guest, it's different than being a host. You've got to like have the process. You've got to have the systems. You've got to have the value. And so those two things end up then compounding on top of each other. So you're, you're doing this, the, the, yeah. you're, doing, you're, you're like, trying to do one thing a day uh, or a couple of things a day, hopefully, but one thing a day. And then you're trying to learn something and implement something new. And suddenly like they're compounding on top of each other and all of them are moving in one direction. And that is the most important part because so often when I talk to businesses, they are doing everything scattershot and like they have six different plans and like they're all going in different directions and like they have no idea like what each thing is driving to the same. So they're not able to compound those things and make five or one thing work for five or six different things. So uh, the most important thing you can do is that one thing and learn that thing, but then uh, focus it into one point. Or in my case, since I have a publishing company and a creative academy, two points, um, but they all kind of work together because when I find someone for the complete creative, they often tend to read my books. And if a creator reads my novels and then uh, uh, it will almost always come over to the complete creative. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And that's a really important point, too, is learning how to just stack wins, right? And I, um, it's one of the things that, like, I learned a long time ago, um, and now, I remember in my business being at a place where I thought it was, like, in order to succeed, I needed to put in 18-hour days, right? Um, And, you know, that's not, that's hard to do, right? So I was, like, I can work 12 hours a day, and I would do 12 hours a day all the time, and I was, like, I hadn't earned freedom, right? I hadn't earned freedom, so I just, like, I would work and I would eat and I would sleep and that was it um, and realized that uh, it's actually holding me back <laughs> uh, because you know you're doing all the scattershot stuff and you're just trying everything you're doing all the things and I've realized that once you sort of ha- put uh, I tell people uh, creativity thrives with restrictions hmm. right and so if you give yourself like hey you need Uh, you know, I'm only going to work four hours a day, or I'm only going to work six hours a day, or I'm only going to work four days a week, or I'm only going to do these kind of things. And you have to be prioritized. What's the thing that I can fit into that time, like the stuff that's really good. Um, And then you start working on stuff that's better. Now, now, nowadays, my work week is I work four hours a day, four days a week, right. And my businesses are four times bigger than they were (laughs) three years ago. Um, And uh, because because you're working on important things. Um, and, uh, and you stack those things up over time and they, uh, they really, really grow for you. And you know, the podcast thing is, is fascinating, right? Cause we just, I just started my podcast. I call it podcast tour, right? Where we started going on, on podcasts every week. Um, earlier, when was, when did we start? It would have been like November of this last year and we bumped it up to, uh, um, I was doing like one a month for like all, like half of last year. And then we bumped it up to one a week this, this year. Um, and, uh, it's, it's amazing what that does over the course of time, right now, Absolutely. like people all over the place knew who I am and what I'm doing and what I stand for. Um, and it's helping our businesses grow. And like, I'm getting to a point now where it's like, those are some of the most important things I do in my business. It's like, I got my podcast that I got this week and I got the guest interviews that I got on my show. And like, if I do nothing else in my business, my business will grow because of
0: those things. Awesome. Um, and so there's an article so, that I put on my website uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, well it's, it was today now, but by this time it's called, you can't plug the holes in your business with tape and gum forever. And it, uh, sorry with gum and tape forever. And it literally goes through the process of how you can figure out the things that are the most impactful for your business and the most fun for your business, like your, your zones of genius and which things you can cut, which things you should outsource. It is, uh, it is kind of my guide to making sure that you're going in the right direction. But you go- you really do. Um, in my book, uh, How to Become a Successful Author, I talk about the one thing. And it's like, if you have this thing up here that is guiding you, then you know that everything has to go into one direction. And the things that don't help you go in that direction, they get cut. And the things that don't go in that direction profitably, they get cut. And the things that go into that, the business and don't see return and, and, and take a lot of time, uh, but don't see a lot of they get cut and, and suddenly you're, you're moving everything in one very, 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 uh, uh, easy direction. And it's very easy to say when someone comes to you with an offer, does this move my company forward in the way I want it to move? And if you, if the answer is no, you say, thank you. And no, and if it does, then you have to decide if you're under leveraged, which it sounds like you are. So you can take that time. Uh, I try and be under leveraged too, so that when some opportunity comes up, I can very re- I can very easily say yes. I will spend the next month doing this thing, and it might take an extra two hours a day, but I have that time. And then. Um, And then uh, if something is not moving that forward, or I don't think there will be a big return, or it will take me too much time, I say absolutely not. But it's because I have that guiding light of what is the goal that uh, allows me to focus everything so easily.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And that's a really important point too, right? Is like knowing exactly what you need to do and whether or not it fits. And right, I have my I have my litmus test that I use in my business. Like, does this help me, you know, hit, hit this goal or not? And if it doesn't, um, I, I don't even consider it anymore. Um, and it's really helpful for fighting that uh, shiny object syndrome that a lot of uh, entrepreneurs struggle with earlier on in their careers. So that basically uh, wraps up our interview. But I do have one last thing we do on the at the end of all of our interviews, um, something I call the Heroes Challenge. It's pretty simple. It's basically this. Um, do you have someone in your life or in your network that you think has a cool entrepreneurial story? Who are they? Um, first names are fine. And why do you think they should come on the hero show and share their story?
0: Sure. So I've talked about Sherry Fink a couple of times, so I'm going to go with her. Uh, she she and her husband, Derek, run a, uh, run a website called The Whimsical World. They do children's books and uh, young reader books and uh, middle grade fiction books. And she's got to be the most inspirational human I ever met. Uh, she is incredibly hardworking. She does like a hundred school appearances a year, her and her husband. And they wow. built this amazing, amazing brand based on like, uh, this book called The Little Rose, uh, which was on the top of the children's book chart for 50 weeks straight. Uh, and so uh, they, uh, especially because you want to do children's books, uh, your your wife does, uh, I think they are would be a perfect person to have on this show. Plus, she is just filled with amazing entrepreneurial knowledge.
1: Awesome. Yeah, we'll reach out and see if we can get her onto the show. Um, so Thank you so much for coming on the show, Russell. Really appreciate it. It's been a fascinating conversation um, to talk through all of these things and the creative aspects of business. Um, last thing, where can people find you,
0: and who are the right types of people to reach out? All right. So I'm going to. I have two because I'm a writer and a creator, uh, creative trainer. Uh, so, if you are a creative human or you just want to learn how to do your business better, then uh, thecompletecreative.com has a podcast, epic blog posts like the five ways to build your audience without breaking the bank, uh, free courses. Uh, you can get to my audience building course if you'd like to learn more about that 110, 100, 1000 strategy we're talking about at thecompletecreative.com forward slash audience. So, who should come and, 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 and over there. If you've been struggling with your business and you don't know how to break to the next level, if you're great at making content already, uh, but you're just not building an audience, you're not making money, you're not able to scale, you feel like you're, 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 uh, you're banging your head against the wall, uh, those are the people that I can help really well. If you have even a little bit of an audience if you've even got an inkling of a product that sold a couple of books that sold a couple of of times this is the kind of thing for you especially if you're making products it's not that i can't help services uh but i really 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 can help people that are trying to build a product-based business that can scale and that they can use to do a whole bunch of other stuff whether that's do movies and tv or speaking engagements or anything else Um, my most popular product is called uh Uh, build a rabid fan base which is not even available on my site right now Um, uh, uh, but it shows you basically how to go from zero to a bevy of rabid fans okay so uh, that is the thing that I do the thing that I am most identified with is as a writer it is the closest thing to my personal heart Uh, I'm a USA today best-selling author so I'm pretty good at it especially with when it involves magic mythology and monsters if you love comics, I recommend you checking out Ichabod Jones' Monster Hunter. It's about a psychopath that escapes from mental and becomes a monster hunter, but doesn't know if he's killing monsters, humans, or it's all in his head the whole time. It's very much like Johnny the Homicidal Maniac or The Max or, uh, or Legion, but with like, uh, it's quite funny, uh, very violent, and uh, it does have that mind screwery effect. If you like uh, anthologies, then My Cthulhu is Hard to Spell Anthology is a great uh, anthology about Lovecraft. Lovecraft believed that if you looked upon the eyes of the 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 uh, monsters in his in his universe, you would go insane, uh, and maybe maybe that's why everything's so crazy now. Because I came out with this book a few years ago, and uh, it's just exploded on the chart uh, because it is uh, all about the gods and monsters themselves. You don't see that a lot, and so uh, I uh, I really wanted to make something that was uh, sort of about the gods and monsters. And finally, if you're a novel person. Um, this is where I've done the most work in the past couple of years on a product called, uh, or a book series called The God's Verse Chronicles. Uh, it is all gods are real. They're just kind of dicks. It's full of mythology, monsters, and magic. The first book and demons followed behind her is absolutely free right now on all platforms, and you can get it anywhere that books are sold and try it out. So uh, those are my two... Uh, go pick up and demons follow behind her or one of my other books at com forward slash books with an S book will take you to somewhere else or just com, And you can sign up for my mailing list to get a bunch of additional free books like Ichabod, the original graphic novel for Katrina, some stories about Cthulhu is hard to spell and a whole bunch more at com. And then the complete has my podcast archives, which where I interview, uh, uh successful creators about how they built and sustained their careers uh, uh uh epic blog posts free courses and a whole lot more at the completecreative.com.
1: awesome thank you so much for um all of that russell it has been like i said a really cool conversation to talk to someone who is doing creative work at your level right and we know we mentioned this early in the interview there's not a lot of people who are um best-selling authors and going direct to consumer Right. That is, it's very rare. Um, so it was really cool to sort of peek behind the curtain and see how you're doing that. So again, thank you so much for coming on here and sharing as much as you did. Um, uh, before we finish this up, do you have any, uh, final words of wisdom before I hit this little stop record button? Uh,
0: yes. Uh, I'm going to go back to the self-worth thing. Just like, remember that the, all you have is the work that you've done. And if you can be proud of the work, then that's everything.
1: I completely agree. Thank you very much, Russell.